guys. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Relatable. I think I said that opposite of what I typically do. I open the show the same way every day. I guess I just wanted to spice it up, change it up today. Uh, But today we're going to talk about Santa Claus. This is the last episode before my team and I are going on a three-week break. You will get two episodes next week, and you'll get two episodes the next week. And then the first week of January, we're going to take a break. We might put out a couple replay episodes, but we are going to be taking a little Christmas hiatus, but we are going to make sure that you get four new episodes got two awesome interviews that you guys are going to love. And then next week, we'll do some Christmas-themed episodes that are really fun. But obviously, the hope is that you get something serious and substantial out of them as well. And like I said, today is also a Christmas-themed episode. We are talking about Santa Claus. Specifically, I am going to answer the question, should Christians do Santa Claus with their families? Now, I've answered this question before but I'm going to go a little bit deeper on my response so that this episode doubles as an encouraging and theological Christmas episode, not just here's why you should agree with me on my opinion on Santa. Uh, And let me say before we start that it is okay if we disagree on this. Number one, this is not a salvation issue for Christians. Two, Uh, I am a big believer that you are the best parents for your kids, no one else. You know the intricacies of your child's mind, their personality, their needs, and you may find a better way to approach Santa than what I offer you today, and that is totally fine. Also, I understand that I am a relatively new mom. I am not pretending to know everything that has to do with parenthood. I am very thankful for the wisdom of moms and grandmothers that go before me that have decades upon decades of experience. I am coming at this subject, though, as thoughtfully as I can and hopefully as biblically as I can. And my goal is either to encourage you or potentially challenge you and or to potentially challenge you with a different perspective than maybe the one you have or the one that you grew up with. I think a lot of us have really not thought about this, but I have thought about this a lot in the past couple of years since becoming a mom. So let me summarize first my position, and then I will give you my why behind my position. I do not believe it is right to tell our children that Santa is a real person living at the North Pole, making a naughty and nice list, and delivering them presents on Christmas. Now, let me tell you why. And then I will present you with um, what I think, in my opinion, are better alternatives to that. My first reason for not doing Santa Claus in that way is because I think lying, even and especially to our children, is wrong. I grew up with standard views of Santa. I believed that Santa was real. And I remember that being really fun. I'm not traumatized by that. We would put out cookies and milk and we would put out food for reindeer, like an apple on the porch or something. And there would be a bite out of it in the morning. And that was really exciting. I would get presents that were from Santa on the tag. And I'm sure that I enjoyed all of that. In fact, I remember enjoying all of that. I don't think my parents ever used Santa's 
omniscience to threaten me into good behavior or anything like that. It was just fun to think that there was this old guy who knew what you wanted for Christmas and was delivering presents on Christmas Eve to think about all the logistics of all of that. That was fun. So all of that seems pretty harmless, and it mostly was, except that I distinctly remember being so embarrassed and angry when I found out that he wasn't real the summer of my sixth year of life. And I found out that early in my life when I was six years old because I have older brothers, 10 and seven years older than me. And one thing that I heard recently on a podcast that has stuck with me, which is true, is that your family is actually the age of the oldest sibling. And so the younger siblings end up knowing almost everything the oldest sibling uh, the oldest sibling knows because they are bringing home their experiences and the things that they learned at school and all of that. And so it's hard to maintain a young child's belief in Santa Claus when they have older siblings that have known for a very long time, my brother was 16, my oldest brother, uh, that Santa Claus is not real. So when I was six, I made a comment to my oldest brother who, like I said, was 16 at the time about the tooth fairy leaving something behind in my room when she was coming to get one of my lost teeth. And he kind of scoffed at it and said that was silly or something like that. He wasn't being mean. He's a very nice older brother, but you know, 16 year olds, I think he just kind of said something offhand. And his reaction, as probably as subtle as it was, did make my little brain start turning its wheels. So I started thinking, why is that silly? Why did why why did he react like that? Why did he laugh at that? Why why didn't he think that my story about the tooth fairy was cool? I thought I was making a totally legitimate observation, telling him something awesome that happened that the tooth fairy did, but he was not impressed. Why is that? And then somehow, somehow in my six-year-old mind, I started putting these pieces together and I distinctly remember, so it must have had kind of a significant impact on me. I remember the next day in my backyard asking my mom point blank if the tooth fairy was real. And she said, well, no, it's not real. I don't remember exactly what she said. But then the dominoes started to fall in my mind. So if the tooth fairy wasn't real, then what about the Easter bunny? And what about Santa? That's the biggest disappointment, uh, disappointment of all. And she told me the truth. She said, no, Santa isn't real. And I remember being really mad. I really hated that everyone in my family was in on a secret that I wasn't. And I felt like I had been tricked. And I remember vowing then that I would not lie to my kids about Santa. I think I actually said that out loud to my mom. Now, I don't want to be, I don't want it to sound dramatic because like I said, was I traumatized by that experience? No, I don't think so. Do I hold resentment against my parents? Did I hold resentment for years to come after that? No. Did I develop serious trust issues with my parents? No. Did I have a hard time believing in God after that, which we'll get to in a minute? No. I don't remember this being an extremely defining episode in my life, except that I remember not liking the feeling of being lied to. I didn't like that this whole elaborate charade had been constructed to make me believe something that wasn't true and that I had so naively believed it. And if you're thinking, well, this kind of sounds like an unbelievable reaction and thought process for a six-year-old. Again, I had older siblings. And so a lot of times when you've got a youngest sibling that has siblings that are way older than them, their thought processes are a little bit more mature because you have learned to think and you've watched some of the same things that your older siblings have. 
And plus, you can talk to my parents and they will tell you that I was six going on 26. They've always said that. And part of me has always been old. So I developed self-consciousness early on, not in the sense that I was insecure, but in the sense that I was always very aware of myself and cognizant of how I relate to the world around me, which meant that I could get embarrassed easily, even as a kid. And to this day, I hate, I don't really get embarrassed anymore. That's something that comes with maturity, but I hate when other people are purposely embarrassed for the sake of laughs, especially when parents try to embarrass their kids. I really hate that. Now, my parents were not trying to embarrass me when they told me that Santa was real. They also hate public embarrassment and they would never intentionally embarrass me or anyone. Nevertheless, I was embarrassed and I knew I didn't want to put my kids in that position one day. I actually remember thinking that as uh, probably about to be a first grader. So that whole background probably plays a big role in my stance on Santa. I can't say it's a position at which I arrived exclusively by the study of scripture. It also has to do with my experiences and my personality as well. But there is, of course, a biblical reason not to lie to our kids. And I'll get to that in just one second. First, I've got to tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Patriot Mobile. Now, standing up for what you believe in can be challenging. A lot of you guys message me uh, often that you have gained a lot of courage and boldness in standing up for what you believe in over the past couple of years. You've realized that the stakes are really high. One way that we can continue to stand up for what we believe in is by supporting companies that are also fighting for the values that we hold dear. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer broad nationwide coverage and they use the same towers as all the major carriers. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget and they're 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support, and most importantly, Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life. They also support our veterans and our first responder heroes, so you don't have to worry about giving your money to this company and them turning around and funding pro-abortion politicians or organizations that are fighting against the values that you are working so hard to protect. So go to patriotmobile.com slash or call 972-PATRIOT. When you do, you will get a free You'll get free activation with the offer code Ally. They also have special discounts for veterans and first responders and for multi-line accounts. Support a company that loves America, loves you, and shares your values. That's patriotmobile.com slash Ally, patriotmobile.com slash Ally. As I said, there are biblical reasons not to lie to our kids by saying that Santa Claus is real. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Saying that Santa is a real person is a lie. Now, I understand we don't always tell the truth, the whole truth to our kids about things simply because they're not developmentally ready to know the full truth about every concept or event that occurs. But... Avoiding explaining something they're not ready to know or only letting them in on part of the knowledge of something based on their maturity and the necessity of understanding a particular, a particular subject is different than making up a story and making an effort to have them believe it. That is lying. 
And while I did not develop trust issues that I know of with my parents or question the existence of God because of the revelation that Santa isn't real, I do think that could be an outcome for some children. Every child is different. Just like I didn't like to be on the outside of a secret and be lied to even as a six-year-old, you may have some very curious young kids who do continue on with the deductive reasoning of, well, if they lied to me about Santa, what else did they lie to me about? That's a distinct possibility, especially if your kid doesn't find out that Santa isn't real until later. There really is no good reason that I can think of to lie to our kids about Santa Claus. There's no reason to suspend the rule that I would assume most households, especially Christian households, have uh, not to lie just for Christmas. It sends, in my opinion, a confusing message to our kids about our trustworthiness and the importance of honesty and could sow unnecessary doubt about the existence of God. Because Santa, if you think about it, is almost a perverted version of the God of the Bible, which is reason number two why we won't tell our kids that Santa Claus is real. Because there is a real gift giver who gave a real gift at Christmas, who really does see you when you're sleeping and really does know when you're awake, who really does know what you do and say and think, who really is everywhere at once. And his name is God, not St. Nicholas. We don't need Father Christmas. We have God the Father who gave us the greatest gift we could ever imagine in Christ. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then a little bit longer passage, Psalm 139, 1-12, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you knew it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for, uh, too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So Christmas is about a real omnipotent, omniscient, generous, gracious, joyous being, God, who knows and loves all the girls and boys and has prepared for us a real gift wrapped in swaddling cloths, laying in a manger, and his name is Jesus. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. If that was enough for the consolation of Israel, enough for the hallelujahs of the angels and the wonder of the shepherds and the worship of the wise men that night in Bethlehem, then it's enough to bring us and our children joy today. So why offer our children competing narratives? Why present them with a false God and Santa Claus? 
And that's what he is. When you say that a man who has godlike powers, who is determining your gift share based on what you do, why present them with what amounts to a false gospel that you do nice things to get more toys? Why not instead offer them something so much better, the unconditional love of a heavenly father manifested in a real gift, Jesus Christ, whose second coming we await still with longing and expectation? Is the gospel not a better and a more mysterious in a lot of ways and, and sweeter and more uh, joy-inducing story than Santa, elves, and the North Pole? If we present two different meanings of Christmas, one that has to do with the instant gratification of Santa and toys, and one that has to do with the more intangible gift of salvation through Christ, which one do you think will occupy a young child's mind? All of our minds are really bent towards instant gratification, but especially a child who has an even, even more of a limited capacity to kind of understand kind of complicated and intangible concepts. So we cannot simultaneously pester our kids about Jesus being the reason for the season while offering so many other competing reasons for the season that have nothing to do with Jesus. If Christmas is about Christ, about the gospel, and then as an outpouring of that main reason, or really sole reason, as an outpouring of that sole reason, also about joy and love and peace and generosity and fellowship, then we as parents have an obligation and a blessed opportunity to make it about that. Because Lord knows the world is already going to provide them with a million other distractions. We don't have to aid and abet that. Isn't that our job as parents to silence worldly narratives and put our kids on the path of righteousness as best we can by the grace and power of God? To show what real versus counterfeit joy looks like? To help them marvel at everything that is good and right and true? And if that sounds fuddy-duddy to us, then I wonder if we really understand the splendor and majesty and happiness that comes with Christ and his advent. Now, all of that said, I am not of the mind that Christmas is a pagan holiday that shouldn't be celebrated with trees and lights and traditions. There is grace and goodness to be found in simple things that bring us joy. There, These are gifts of common grace, hot chocolate and candy canes and snow and it's a wonderful life and stockings are all gifts of common grace, meaning that everyone, not just Christians, can enjoy them, that we get to freely enjoy and they can all be used to glorify God. And I've got more on that point in just one second. Let me tell you about our second sponsor for the day. That is Hunter Douglas. If you love to live well, if you care not just what your house looks like, but also what your house feels like, then you need to check out Hunter Douglas. They offer innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. It is, uh, it's the way that the shades diffuse harsh sunlight to cast a beautiful glow across the room. It's the way it allows you to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. It's also the superior insulation the shades provide, keeping you warmer in winter, cooler in summer, lowering utility uh, bills that makes Hunter Douglas so wonderful when it comes to making shades. They also have a power view technology so that your shades can be set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation, morning, noon, 
and night. Enjoy greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Go to hunterdouglas.com slash alley today for your free style get smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's hunterdouglas.com slash alley for your free design guide. hunterdouglas.com slash alley. So the great 19th century pastor Charles Haddon Spurgeon had what I would call a nuanced take on Christmas, and it kind of developed over the years of his life, it seems like. While he said that there is no biblical reason to turn the Savior's birth into a holiday on the 25th of December, and that's true, there really is no biblical or that much of a historical reason to do that. Uh, There's not a basis in history or in scripture necessarily that we pick specifically the 25th of December for the birthday of Christ. And so he acknowledges this. And he also said that much of the celebration of Christmas had turned into superstition, that Christians should not take part in. Um, But he also said this. He said, quote, I wish there were 10 or a dozen Christmas days in the year, for there is work enough in the world, and a little more rest would not hurt laboring people. Christmas Day is really a boon to us, particularly as it enables us to assemble around the family hearth and meet our friends once more. He also said this, quote, This is a season when all men expect us to be joyous. We compliment each other with the desire that we may have a Merry Christmas. Some Christians who are a little squeamish do not like the word Merry. It is good. It is a a right good old Saxon word. He says, having the joy of childhood and the mirth of manhood in it. It brings before one's mind the old song of the waits and the midnight peal of bells, the holly and the blazing log. I love it for its place in that most tender of all pair where it is written that when the long lost prodigal returned to his father safe and sound, they began to be merry. This is the season when we are expected to be happy. And my heart's desire is that in the highest and best sense, you who are believers may be merry. So it is a time for us to show the joy that should be characteristic of believers year round. We can celebrate lots of parts of this season while still making every effort to make the gospel the center, to make Jesus the why behind all that we do, to make the glory of God the goal, as in all things. And what an opportunity for us to drive home who Jesus is and what he's done for us to our kids without the confusion that the narrative of Santa brings. Um, I think Santa can be a Christmas character. I don't believe it's bad to have a picture of Santa or Rudolph or to watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's okay to show our kids fiction. I actually think fiction presented as fiction is really important for kids' development, for creativity, for imagination. I loved fiction growing up. I think it made me a better writer, thinker, and communicator. I think you could also, this is an alternative, um, talk about the person called St. Nicholas, who was a Greek bishop, his story, his generosity. That's fine. I honestly don't know that much about that story, but I have heard families doing that as an alternative. I simply think that now, maybe more than ever, probably not more than ever, because it's always been important for Christians to disciple their children well, but especially in just such a confusing time, Christian parents must be bound to the truth, even and especially with our kids. We have a responsibility to bring clarity, not confusion to our children. 
There's just no time right now for competing narratives, for false gospels, and for false gods. We want to take every opportunity we can to lay a good, a solid theological foundation for our children. We don't want to take any moment or any holiday or any experience for granted. We don't want to mimic the world in any way. Now, maybe you think this is kind of legalistic, but I would posit that the narrative of Santa putting kids on lists, knowing what they're doing and giving them toys based on those actions is legalistic. What I am suggesting is actually the opposite of legalism. It is teaching kids about the unconditional love and grace of God found in the Jesus who left his heavenly home, humbled himself as a baby, who died a death on a cross that he didn't have to die for our sake, paying for our sins so that we could become friends with our creator, a holy God, have joy and peace in this life and in the next life, live forever in heaven with him. That's a better story. That's a better story than Santa Claus. Now, before we get to the reading of one of my favorite hymns at Christmas time, if not my very favorite Christmas hymn, I want to answer the question that I get a lot. What do I do about my kids ruining it for other kids at school or ruining it for their cousins? And I understand you don't want to be that kid. You don't want other parents mad at you or mad at your kids. You don't want your kid to get in trouble at school. But I think it's probably like anything that you teach your kid that is countercultural. They're always going to run into people who don't think the same things they do. And one of the funny, beautiful, precious, admirable, but I know sometimes frustrating parts of children is that they don't have a filter. They are not thinking of how can I present this information to my disagreeing friend with as much charity and nuance as possible. Like they'll just come out and say, you know, Santa's not real, right? And so I understand that if you're, you're trying to you're trying to keep your child from doing that. And of course, I think that we can definitely try. We can teach our kids to be considerate. We can have that conversation with them. Now, that's not always easy when they're super young, when they're in that toddler stage where they're understanding what you're saying, but they don't necessarily know how to apply and translate it into action. I understand that can be difficult, but we can only do the best we can. And ultimately, we're not responsible for the beliefs of other kids. And it's true. Like, it's true that Santa isn't real. And so I think we teach our kids the truth. We teach our kids to be loving. We teach our kids to be kind and considerate. If they're old enough to understand, hey, uh, it's not your responsibility to tell other kids that Santa is not real. That's their mommy and daddy's responsibility. And so you allow them to figure that out on their own. You allow their parents to tell them that it's not your job. It's not your job to tell your friend or to tell your cousin or you know, to tell someone that Santa isn't real. So maybe that's the way you go about it. I'm sure that there are parents who have far more experience than I than I do that could give us some tips, give us some pointers on that and could tell us um, how to navigate that. But you can't let that paralyze you. That is not a good reason, in my opinion, to lie to your kids or to give a competing anti-gospel, in my opinion, narrative um, of Santa Claus being a real person that is watching you and will give you bad things if you act badly. It's just not a, it's not a good story, and the gospel is a better one. Um, all right, let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day, and then I will read you um, the lyrics to a beautiful Christmas hymn to finish us out for the day. And that is our friends, 
Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers, wonderful company run by wonderful people. They send American meat to your front door. They've got better than organic chicken, pre-marinated, non-pre-marinated. They've also got craft beef, all different kinds of cuts of meat. Um, every kind probably that you could possibly want. They've got T-bone, they've got ribeye, they've got filet medallions, they've got ground beef, and you can subscribe so you can get that box of meat every month shipped to your front door. That makes your life so much easier. That's just one last thing. That's that's one last thing that you have to think about when you're going to the grocery store. They've got all different kinds of, re, you know, arrangements, combinations of meat that you can choose from. You can customize your box. You can try it one time to see if you like it. And I promise you will not be disappointed because they're an awesome company. We eat our Good Ranchers meat. And I just love knowing that we are part of the revitalization of American farms and American ranches. That is what the people at Good Ranchers have set out to do because our farming industry has just been absolutely demolished by our country's reliance on imported meat. And so if you care about putting America first, like Good Ranchers does, if you care about supporting American farmers, which I think we should, then buy your meat from Good Ranchers. You have time to get a box of meat for a gift. For Christmas, you can buy a subscription for a friend or a family member for Christmas. It makes an awesome practical gift that will make their lives easier. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie or enter promo code Allie at checkout. When you do, you'll get $20 off and free express shipping. That free express shipping is really important right now if you want to get it before Christmas. So go to goodranchers.com slash Allie for $20 off and free express shipping. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. Okay, let me read you the lyrics to this wonderful song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. This and Oh Holy Night are two of my favorite Christmas hymns. And really, they could be hymns, of course, year round. They're not exclusive to Christmas, but we typically sing them at Christmas time. And I just love every line of this. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne." Really, that's not even a Christmas hymn because we are still, as I said earlier, awaiting Jesus's second coming when he will finally, once and for all, banish wickedness and rule and perfect peace. Really, that's what Christmas reminds us of and increases our anticipation for that day even more. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will be back here next week with some pre-recorded episodes that you are going to love. They will be Christmas themed, and so it'll help you get into the spirit even more. So we will see you back here next week. <laughs>